from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. You're listening to live from the path. We're coming from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Boom. What do you say? Did you say boom? No. Zoom. Oh. Hey, who says boom goes the dynamite? Is that Magilla Gorilla? Oh, man. I, I, started, I was reading a book. I was reading a book to my kids. Uh, and uh, I, I, I caught myself representing one of the characters as if it's uh, if he was Droopy the dog. Huh. You remember Droopy the dog? Yeah, the real lazy sheriff. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a there's a um, uh, there's a a book that was written by the the Stan and Jan uh, Berenstain who wrote to Berenstain Bears. Yeah, and uh, it was called the Berenstain Bears B book, and th- like it's it's full of words uh, that start with B. Big brown bear, beautiful baboon, uh, biking something or other. And but like there's a point where t- where the 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 baboon. And the bear are on a bike, and they run into Brother Bob's baseball bus. Yep. And I found myself going, Brother Bob's baseball bus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't figure out where it was from. Like I said, I yeah. know this is from somewhere. I've not come up with this. Yeah. Anyway, and there's another book. Uh, I caught myself. Uh, have you guys heard uh, Arlo Guthrie's uh, Alice's Restaurant? Yeah. Have you heard that, Nathaniel? Yeah. yeah. Is that the one that goes? Do, 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 no, that's do. Tom's Diner. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. That's, not, that's where they're throwing down the, the, the garbage down into the church. Yeah. 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 It's oh. like 19 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it's long. <laughs> it's super long. Uh, and, and he's telling a story, but like Arlo, it's the, Arlo Guthrie sings uh, City of New Orleans. You heard that song? Yeah. Anyway. It's it's a really lo- it's a really long song. It's an epic, uh, and it's a really really long story. And ultimately, it's like a draft protest. But um, anyway, he talks in a really distinct way, distinct way, like this. And so uh, you should listen to it. But I've, I've noticed I started reading a book like that, and I can't take credit for that either. Is it as long as the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Long? Oh no, longer. longer. No, oh, yeah, longer. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> That's good. I wanted. Hey, have you ever have you ever gone up there? What to see where the where the wreck is at? Where's it at? It's in Michigan. No, <laughs> I've never been to Michigan. Yeah. Or you can go in the Minnesota to Duluth. It's right to be the other side of the lake. But yeah, 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 yeah. People go to Duluth, Duluth for fun times, and yeah. they get sobered when they find out the Eddie Fitzgerald's just right around the bend. Right, hmm. I've hey. been there. Uh, wait, did you look? Did you look over, Dan? Uh, we kind of looked out at the water and thought, "Whoa, that happened out there." But I didn't go to a specific spot. I, okay. I wasn't did, aware of did that. Did you listen to the song on the way up? Uh, we sang it as we walked as along the, the water. <laughs> yeah. Is that where the Duluth Trading Company is from? Yeah. Because I Duluth, looked at Minnesota. their underpants one time. They were like $75. They're very expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could not just imagine the situation where I felt like, I'm glad I'm wearing these $75 undies. I want to know where they get all the fire hose to make their pants. You think they buy them off used fire trucks? Well, I mean, how much fire hose could there be? Well, like they've got a lot of pants. I mean, you work in the industry, Nathaniel. They probably they probably make them change the fire hoses out every three years I'll and bet. recycle yeah. them. And yeah. here comes this hobo in a wagon, being like, "I'll buy them hoses." Yeah. Have you guys seen the new true, the newest True Grit? No. Yeah. 
Okay, it's really good. Hey, I feel like I'm picking up on all, yeah, your, all yeah. your references. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sniffing my sandwich, brother. You said you had true grit. <laughs> uh, that sounded like the girl. No. Uh, it, it's anyway. It's it's a remake of the. It's Rooster Cogburn. Uh, it's it's pretty good. And actually, there's a really cool. Um, it's underscored by a bunch of hymns, like instrumental versions of hymns. Hmm. But um, anyway, he runs into this guy who's like a he. He wanders the woods and he's he's a trader. And like he's offered a, tr- there's like a guy hanging from a tree who got hung, and he wants to trade out his teeth for like a bottle of expectorant or whatever. Anyway, whatever Dan just said reminded me of that. Okay. Anyway, wow. I'm on. A, uh, I also I, I lost my shorts on that uh, GameStop just for an update. Oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> they, uh, things aren't going very well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is Which everybody I, down pin? Well, uh, no, no, I'm holding. Oh, okay. I'm holding. I'm already. Here's the deal. The only the only thing that that I gain by selling is to admit defeat. <laughs> I'm gonna hold that thing yeah. till I die. That's what that's what most stock traders say is like you got to put your pride first. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and hold on to investments longer than it makes financial sense. Yeah. No, no. Uh, what was it that uh, that one that one analyst, Ken Rogers? He said you got to know when to hold them. You oh, yeah, always hold them. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> so so how much did you start with? How much do you have invested personally? I'm not. I, uh, uh, never mind. Did your wife <laughs> listen to this? It's three. It's three figures, Dan. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm in for three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the hundreds. Yeah okay. yeah, okay. I mean, I knew it had gone up, and you were like, or like, at a, at a good spot, but I didn't know how much you started with, so uh, that's none of my business. Just say shut up, like, Are you going to make money on the deal? Uh, no, if I sold today, no. No, because I got, I, I got in a mix of stuff. Uh, I got some low, um, and then, uh, so like, I, what, what was it? At the highest, it was at 400. I got some in at like 90, oh. uh, and so it was in really great shape. And then I got some in at like 325, because I got too optimistic. I, got, I, I rode the rainbow. And it, uh, I'm going to pay for that. Mm. So anyway, I'm going to hold on to it. I, I don't think it's going to pan out. But uh, anyway, we'll see how life shakes. Okay. All right, you're listening live from the path. That's what we're, this is what we're going on today. Uh, um, let's see. I, was, I thought there was another. Uh, hey, so there's always, I, I noticed this on, um, on, on a lot of the, the, the Christian news sites, is people are always writing about uh, like dealing with perfect, like uh, quotes, perfect Christians. Have you have you guys ever run into someone that you felt like was posturing in that way? No. Like, is this a mythical being? Like, it's some of some of the church arrogance is it? Is it just popular because it's easy to take a target at? Or like, do 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 you feel like this is a this is a character we're running into with some normalcy within the church? Doctor, Doctor Perfect. You mean like the person who who is portraying themselves? Yeah, that they have it all together. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that? Like, are you running into it very often, Dan? If I do, I, I I don't acknowledge it because I I know it's not true. So um, I I can't say that I've you know run into someone who interacts that way. But there's probably others who would say they do. If that makes sense. Well, I, mean, I guess for, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Is that like I, it's it's a common target? I think. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff, and so this is, comes up with us too, is that like um, we run into common targets. Say the church is acting. Someone's arguing over the the the, the proverbial carpet colors. I've actually never hit somebody that's done that. Yeah, I've yeah, not run yeah. into someone acting that way. Like, there, uh, it, it's indicative of something churches can argue about, um, but I've not, I've not really, really run into it. And same thing with like, um, like the perfect posturing folks. I just, I, I guess, I wish I had in my mind. There was an article that came up, and I was going to read it, but then I thought, like, I just don't know if this is a real thing. Like, I get worked up about something that's not even happening. Yeah, I. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, people do argue about stupid stuff like that, I guess, but like, 
I don't know. Yeah, I yeah I I wouldn't consider it like even in the top thirty things I'm concerned with. So yeah, I mean maybe it's just easier to focus on that than like why aren't you out evangelizing? <laughs> you know, like uh, why aren't you sold out for this thing? Because like once again, like this continually, it shows itself to be continually true. It's like people who who come up with these uh, giant op- opinion based things or like whatever. Like they're they're bored. They're not out doing. If they were busy doing something, they wouldn't have time to be upset at this guy. That's like. I really, I told him not to get those curtains, and I'm tired of those curtains. And <laughs> like no one's listening to you, Dave. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, calm down. No one's, ca- no one cares. And so, I, 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 we were just having this discussion before the show started about about giving people power and the way that they they act or the influence that they get to have. And like once again, it's like there's so many Christian opinion based blogs and thoughts and whatever. I mean, heck, I guess we're one of them. You know, but like <laughs> if we were literally out doing something right now, we wouldn't have time to sit around talking <laughs> about whatever this guy said wrong. And so I think that's probably more indicative of the guy that wrote it than the people he's running into. I had, I had a guy once come up to me after church just so angry. This was probably 15 years ago that, that he was shaking. I mean, he was physically shaking and his eyes were just on fire. And the issue was we had sung, uh, what is it, Chris Tomlin has the amazing grace. Uh, yeah, my chains are gone. Yeah, that one. And we didn't sing the original Amazing Grace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, and it was like, I mean, he was like just so angry that God's chosen Amazing Grace song wasn't being sung. And I'm like, now you, you realize that that was only written like 100, couple, you know, 150, 200 years ago, right? I mean, that's not scripture. You, you understand that, right? <laughs> right. And, and he's just like, he had, he had none, of it, none of it. He was just like, you can't do that. You can't, you can't change the songs. It's like, no, actually, we can, and, and that was like a bar tune, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be fine. It just didn't end well, and he never did come back. Well. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, he was mad. Okay. So, I mean, some of this stuff is happening. Yeah, people, but people I mean, are they're, weird. they're just individual, you know, uh, swinging contests, you know, where, like, people are going to show up and say, hey, do this, and then you go, no, nah, man, we're good, and then they leave huffy, and then you go, well, it is what it is. Actually, I mean that goes actually to part of the conversation we were having before before the show started. We we were talking about um, uh, just the notion of um, being afraid to say true things, um, either because the culture at large is going to think something about you, or because it um, you're led to believe that it's going to hurt or harm someone. Um, and so, like, how many how many of how many of the the societal positions that you that we'd say are predominant in America are really a result of people actually believing something, or and how much of it is a result of being afraid of being on the other side of it, mm-hmm. um, and and or the same things with as we talk about things that are of consequence like how you react to um, some of the COVID nineteen measures like we just we ran into something just with our with our kids in school and like it just seems like the 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 the, the stuff that they put in place is beyond the pale. Like it's not even close to a CDC recommendation. Like it's there, it's borderline bleach and hazmat suits on your face every twenty minutes. The the way that they've set this up, I and feel like they should just cancel. Like if that's the alternative, like do a, do record it and then just share it with people. and then yeah, pass it around. Mm-hmm. I, why I but but like like I can't because it's not it's not legit scientific thought. Like the only reason that you've got you know eight masks on and aerosol on your face and fifteen thirty feet apart. If that's not even the scientific recommendation, and and just so you know, the scientists will give you the long. They'll give always give you the long end. The the scientists aren't the optimistic type. 
Right, they're not like, it's exactly six feet, and they'll tell you. Yeah. They probably think it's two feet, and they're like, six ought to Yeah, do. six. Let's do six, because you people can't eyeball six feet anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so but, but like, if it's not even in that realm, like, the only reason to be doing this is fear. And either fear of uh, an irrational, at least a little fear of, of the, the disease itself, um, of the virus itself, or fear of people's reaction that you might not be taking the right levels of protection, even if their reaction is irrational. And so, um, and look, I don't want to get into the middle of that stuff, but like the, the point is, is that like sometimes, and I, I think it's often, our reactions as a society are in protection of people that either don't require that level of protection or for fear of being perceived as if you don't protect that group of people or people who have that belief. Um, and, and there is a, um, I, I think there is something charitable about meeting people in their fear. Um, but there is also something dishonoring by continuing to allow it to persist when you know that it's not right. Um, and, and, and the same thing is true um, when it comes to, when we're talking kind of about basic truths or how society should work or what God says is good, it is charitable to meet people where they're at, not like a jerk. Um, but but the, there is a journey through that of maturity of which, just like God doesn't leave you where you are, um, the notion of what you know to be true um, also it, like makes sense to, to, uh, to share into the world because I think truth does good. I think it changes things for the good. Um, and we're not doing, um, if the truth sets people free, um, then we're not doing a service to the world by by withholding truth. Um, and and the, the the problem, the traditional problem that there's been um, within Christianity is um, is to treat truth um, a, a, as if it's a shovel that someone needs to take to the face, uh, and that's missing the heart of God, and that's a mistake. But um, it doesn't mean like when you use when when truth should be a salve, truth is is a healing ointment. And you should apply it as such with the gentleness that it would take to approach someone with healing ointment. <laughs> um, if you if you run up and throw Ted's utter bomb into someone's eyes and go take that, your life is better. Uh, you've made the mistake. And I would say um, the uh, the ointment of truth is, is probably along those lines. So anyway, the, the whole point being is that like we have to we do have to be careful or mindful that the notion of charity does not extend to unreality and it's not charitable um, to otherwise avoid saying true things. But they do need to reflect kind of ointment levels worth of stuff. And I think that's hard. I think these are hard conversations. They're hard conversations about um, people's perception of themselves, of their, uh, I don't know, sexuality, of um, the uniquenesses as a, as people, whether it's from their heritage or from um, their cultural backgrounds, their racial backgrounds. Um, there's a lot of things in which we derive identity from, and those are all contributors to who we actually are. They're, they're, they're elements of the story, and there's no reason to, de- to deny those. We should celebrate those. Um, but but um, where they become places of which um, I'm trying I can't think of the right way to say this is not going to get me in tr- some trouble or another um, when when it otherwise um, overcommits to what life is is either beyond them or through them um, we're not doing a service I think to otherwise avoid that type of thing. I mean, this is my whole job, right? Like I spend most of my t- my day reading manuals about all kinds of things, right? Like, all, like how, how is this thing designed to work? What is it supposed to do? Why is it not doing what it's supposed to do, right? And, and like, it's never taken poorly. 
I was just I just talked to a guy this morning at like two in the morning. I was down there watching. I was down at a place watching something work, and and he goes, "It doesn't work." And I I ran it through its paces, and I'm like, "Here's the thing. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to." But here's why I think it's not doing what you think it's supposed to do. So we talked about how the thing was designed, what it's supposed to do, what button goes where, and whatever. And and um, uh. At the end of the day, the, the fella ended up knowing a lot more about the thing that he had and the way it was designed and what it was supposed to do, and was getting the the, the, the full benefit and joy out of the, out of his piece of equipment. You know that it's supposed to yep. supposed to perform right. Like we are afraid that if we find a guy that says, "Hey, I want to turn off the kitchen light," and I show up and find out that he's turning it off by opening the breaker to his entire house, he is accomplishing getting the, get the kitchen light turned off. But like. It's not how it was designed. Like we have, we have a much better way to have this work, and 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 and, and to both to your joy and benefit, and not cause this destruction on the other side of it. And and we're afraid by telling the guy that he's turning off his whole house that he's going to be offended because this is what he likes to do. It's accomplishing what he wants it to do, uh, and and really he sees no problem with it. But at the end of the day, he's missing out on all these other things that yeah. he has no idea, right? And so. Uh, I, I realize that's a complete oversimplification of, of, of what we're talking about, but I mean, at the end of the day, what I'm looking at is God's word on how he created a world, a gift that he gave to us, and he goes, this is how this world is designed to work. Um, you can buck the system. I gave you the choices to do that and the freedom to do that. I'm telling you that you're not going to get the full benefit of what it's designed to do. You're not going to get my promises because my promises come with, if you follow the design, my promises show up and can be, and, and, and you will enjoy the full joy that is available. And so what we're worried about is telling somebody that they're doing it wrong. And it really is a fear-based uh, response on our part, and it's driven by pride on theirs, right? Like, mm. what kind of guy goes, I say, look, man, there's a local switch right by your door into your kitchen. Check this out. Click, 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 click. Look at that. The rest of the house is still up and running. And he goes, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I don't come into your place and tell you how to operate your machinery, <laughs> so get out, right? Essentially, that is what we're talking about doing, and we're afraid to tell the guy that the local switch is available, yeah. and this is how it was designed. And so uh, I tell that story for, for two reasons. One, to realize how ridiculous we look, that we're afraid on some parts to do that. Because like, if the guy hates me because I gave him the revelation of the switch by his kitchen, I, I mean, what can I say? I was trying to help. <laughs> I was trying to show this is the way to go about uh, and, and then on the other hand, how uh, fooled that the people that you're worried about talking to, you're giving them way too much credence, right? You know they believed a lie somewhere. They're fooled, and they're swimming in a pool of fooled, right? And they're fighting with the only bucket of dirty pool water they got, and and we're taking it personally. Like it's our, like it's our business, and like they're coming after us and attacking us directly, and that's not what's happening. They believed a lie somewhere. And you should you should be able to realize that when you see him clocking open the whole house to get the kitchen off, right? And so I, I maybe if we if we try to tone down, Ben's right. It is charitable to meet people where they're at. I think obviously maybe of all people in this room, I am the worst at that. Uh, and so I can't really give this advice full steam. Um, but it it's not enough to lose your perspective on what is real and what is right. And like allowing someone to swim in a pool of their own filth just because they love it, right? That doesn't make you a hero. It makes you a, a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did I tell, um, uh, did I say that? I can't remember if I said this on the show or not about um, someone I was talking to who said, you know what they should do? They should set up a church that has like 
a bunch of different speakers and topics you can choose. Did I? Did I? No. Taylor. Um, I, I was talking to someone and uh, they they knew that I was a pastor and they said, you know, you know what we think is we think it would be really cool if like instead of you show up to church and there's like one guy talking and you you know everyone goes there is that like you should be able to go into the building and like there's five or six people talking and they kind of publish ahead of time what they're going to talk about. And then you can pick and choose which one you want. Oh, I want to hear this this one from this guy today, you know, and you can go and do it. Like a sales conference. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> kind of, right? And you can decide what you need. And uh, my immediate reaction was, that's the worst freaking thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm. Because people traditionally stink at acknowledging what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, as they would look at the thing and say, oh, here's what I want. I want to be, I think I want to be a more in- encouraging person. And really, the the Holy Spirit has, has put the scriptures down, and today everyone's going to get the thing about needing humility. Absolutely everyone's going to get it, because everyone needed it. You wouldn't have said, oh, no, like, I need the humility check. Um, people people stink at self-identifying. And so, like, um, th- there, is, there is something about submitting to... Um, I think we did talk about this, and maybe it was uh, we're talking about going into a church building. Um, there is something about submitting to teaching that says whatever this person is going to say, I'm open to it, and I'm open to the Spirit working through my life to change me. Um, it, it's it's the same fallibility of curating your own theology by watching only your stuff online or choosing how do you fast forward through your pastor. Um, it's the, it's that same thing where you know just saying this is what I think I need. Um, I, unfortunately, you don't know this, but you're not the world's greatest expert on you. You don't always know what you need. Um, and I've had that. I mean, this has happened to me plenty of times where I would say, oh, I, I need to study this part. And then someone will teach like uh, the, I'll come across the podcast and someone's talking about the Psalms that day. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm kind of digging on this area of the scriptures. And then the Psalms knock me on my behind. Because of what was going on. And I really needed that, and I never would have chosen it on my own. And there's just a level of humility that says, you know, uh, it can't be that the world is only as true as I perceive. And that I am in, like, it is a a heightened level of arrogance to look out and say, um, if I feel it or I think it, it must be right. Like, that is a crash course. And you don't even have to believe in the notion of, of, of fallen humanity, original sin, to recognize that as a rational person. Like, you've got 350 million people in the United States all looking out, and if they're running from the same premise that, like, if I think it or I feel it, uh, then it must be right. And, like, obviously that can't be true. It's in contention. Like, you've got people who are in contention. Hey, I feel like we should love dogs. You know what? I feel like it's all right to kick dogs. Okay, now we have a contention. Who sorts out this moral problem? Well, someone who's not either of the two of you. I thought there was a legit boogeyman living in the ceiling of my first apartment when I was a kid. It was creepy up there. I made decisions based on that boogeyman. <laughs> wow. Right? Like, I wouldn't go near that hole in the ceiling because I thought the boogeyman can only reach out of the hole. He can't come out and live in my living room. He belongs in the ceiling. But if I go within his room, he will grab me and do his boogie things. And, and I 100% believe this to be true. Fast forward 10 years. I thought that I should be able to steal ashtrays from bars that we were playing in in a band I was in. Mm-hmm. I thought that made perfect sense. Doesn't everybody take ashtrays? Absolutely they do. This is fantastic. Now find me 20 years after both those items, and I think those are the stupidest ideas that I could probably ever yeah. had. There was never a boogeyman, and stealing is always wrong. And, and, and so, like... 
it once again is is deciding that you are the best arbiter at the time because I feel it. It's cool. Uh, one that infringes on just like it's been saying of what other people are feeling. They could very much come to head. Now what do we do? Now do we get a third arbiter that gets to look at both how you both feel and goes, well, I feel that the way you feel is acceptable and you're not. And then you would say that's just how he feels. That's just how he <laughs> feels. This guy doesn't get to decide nothing, right? And second of all, the way that you feel about things change over time. And and as I got older, of course, I start to realize that like things that God has said were true the whole time. They were just hard. And I didn't want to do them, you know, and like they seemed like they were stealing freedoms from me when really they were inviting me to freedoms that that basically the, the, the world says, look, here's all the different ways you can handcuff yourself to this thing. And I'm like, yeah, see, I get to pick my own handcuffs. And God's like, I'm trying to offer you no handcuffs and you're choosing handcuffs. Mm -hmm. It seems ridiculous. And so it, it, even if you don't believe in, in a deity that is that is running the world. Right, and created it and put it into motion. You do have to, unless you are a complete arrogant blind fool, you should be able to look out and go, boy, I feel like my instant judgment on things cannot be trusted 100% of the time. At least you can admit that. Maybe you think that you're 99.5. Most of the time, you're mm -hmm. pretty spot on. Uh, you know, we'll let you carry some of your pride with you. But like, you, there's no possible way you can look back on your entire, your entire days and go, boy, I feel like I just rocked it at every turn. I just, I'm a, an yeah. amazing specimen. <laughs> yeah. And actually, even if you're 99.5, like even the presence of a 0.5 is, is, is some level of, of, of admission that like at its core, everything that pops in your mind can't be trusted. Yeah. You, you ever made a wrong turn? Yeah. You ever lost your keys? Right? You mm -hmm. ever put yeah. the red shirt in with the whites? Yeah, Oops. these are the mistakes you make, sir. <laughs> and so all these things, all this big chalkboard of life, where you're like nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. You're leaving the sus part out. You're leaving a part of the story out where you act like a complete uh, baboon, right? And you're acting like, well, that's not a big deal. But when someone else makes the same color mistakes, then you're like, that guy can't be trusted. What I feel is right. Yeah, it's, it's not the deal. Yeah. So I mean, I guess so. That's the thing, though, is that like, and I'm gonna grant that a lot of the. A lot of the societal rubs here, where it comes to, well, this is what I what I feel, this is what I think, um, are are complicated things. They feel deeper than 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 the conversation that we're just having. Agreed. Um, and 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 I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that's why people struggle with them. Um, and it's there's a notion of like the way there's a couple ways to make struggles go away. Uh, is you can just say, well, I shouldn't struggle with it because it's fine, or uh, the other way to solve it is say, I struggle with it. It's not fine. And then you have to go on a path to figuring out how to rectify whatever that is. Um, and I'm not even saying the, I'm not struggling, like make it okay is even an easy path for a lot of people when, especially when it comes to like, you know, sexuality stuff, like there's, there, those aren't easy paths, but like part of the, I think part of what we're getting at is that we are, we are slowly, but surely becoming a culture that elevates the notion of here is what I feel and so it is not only my reality but it is a pervasive reality of which everyone else must um, bend mm -hmm. of which you should, you also must acknowledge um, I think we are foolish as a, as a society we, we, uh, we can certainly acknowledge that you feel that that's a true thing but is it act, is it real and to what extent is it real it's real to you Let's, that's true there's no reason to argue about that um, but to what extent is it true, universally true? Was it real for other people? Um, and then the question is, if we're basing it on things that I either think or feel, am I a trusted arbiter of truth? Um, and, I, and I think if, 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 there's a, if there's a pause in here, there should be for everybody. And this is true for Christians, too. 
Um, if this is true for everybody, um, whether we're talking about kind of these big ticket items or we're just talking about your day-to-day stuff, if your gut reaction is to flap your yap or make other people alter behavior based upon what you think or feel, like you should start with the premise that I am not a trusted arbiter of the truth of the world 100% of the time. And secondly, truth cannot be bendable for every person. It, it cannot be that the kick puppies guy is, is true because, and says it's morally okay is the same as the person who says it's never okay to kick a puppy because you can't have two contentious things like that and then both be true because they're both never. They're both firm statements. Um, there's one of, the main, it's one of the main things that comes up when, um, you, you, when people are doing apologetics work around why, does, why do we allow this or what if I think this way or I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the Bible about this. That's generally the start. And the, the, one of the main starting points is how do we know what is right or wrong? And if it's what you think or feel and you find yourself contending with someone else, then now we're, we're, at, a, we're at a standstill. Dan, Dan says, don't kick the puppies. I'm full in. I think it's totally fine. They're animals. They're not humans. They don't have value. Kick them all you want to. Dan goes, no, uh, it's not right to do that. We're supposed to be stewards of the world and you shouldn't kick the puppy. And now what? Me and, both, me and Dan both think those things are true. And so it can't be that what I think can be codified as truth and what Dan thinks can be codified because those two things cannot exist at the same time and be universally true. So, I, 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 long story short, is um, we, we do have a, a framework to understand objective reality, um, and, and the scripture can be trusted. Um, we do have the provision of the Holy Spirit to help us navigate through things of charity um, and through truth. Um, it does not do us a service to otherwise deal in truth without charity, um, but it also doesn't advance good news um, to omit truth from charity because oftentimes if you admit truth from charity you're not actually being super charitable um you're you're, um you're enabling a a a path that is ultimately not otherwise not helpful and again as arbiters of truth it's not because we are in and of ourselves perfect um bit of perfect um truth people um we just we just agree on the source we just say well god's right whatever i am whatever i think whatever popped into my mind whatever i felt today I do understand and believe that there is an ultimate arbiter of truth and that God is right, and all I can do is share that in my fallible human state. Um, and that should change how we approach the conversation. I think, I think some, from a Christianity perspective, some of us burned bridges, um, Christians did, by um, not taking good news out to the world as fallible humans who are saved by grace. We took it out to the world as if it was our, our kingdom to conquer uh, and that we were better than it, uh, and that was a mistake. But uh, but it should not keep us from otherwise saying true things. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Ben. I know. I know. Nathaniel got all jazzed up about it. I couldn't calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you're listening to live from the past. So never get jazzed in here again <laughs> if that's what's going to happen. <laughs> here's what I did: is is the last time I was we were in here, I said, "Hey, send your um, send your impressions. Send us your impressions on the live from the path complaint line." And we got a few. Okay. So we're gonna play them. And I, I can't turn it up super loud in the room, and you guys aren't wearing headphones, so you can see if you can pick them up. Um, but here, here's impression. Let's see if I can get to it. Oh, shoot. I should, have, I should have had these set up and ready to rock. Here's impression number one. Did you get it? Nobody heard it. No. Ha, 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 ha. Be faithful in the means. Ha, 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 ha. God will handle the end. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. Any guesses on 
any guesses on impression number one? And I'm. I, it's a beatboxer. Yeah, I'm not gonna give it, Mike. I don't think you can guess. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's a beatboxer. It's not a beatboxer. I, I think it's Beavis. Yeah. 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 Beavis. Who's Beavis? <laughs> fr- fr- friend of Butthead. <laughs> what? Dan. <laughs> Dan with with the medieval in introduction. I am Beavis, friend of Butthead. <laughs> hey man, I, I was just thinking about that uh, earlier. What I thought, uh, you know, people are like, man, I don't know what this country's turned into. Uh, 30 years ago I'm like 30 years ago There was a show called Beavis and Butthead And it <laughs> dominated the airwaves And we're going back to To better times <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean the glory days Have not yet reached its peak Yeah okay Okay so th- that's the Guest number one Is Beavis and Butthead uh, Mike what do you think I think it's Butthead Okay Okay Alright Mike says Okay that's it Alright ready next one Here we go Crystal Mermaid Garden God will handle the end. Hmm. Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. I might have to take it in again. Maybe, let me, let's try it again. Refreshful moment. God will handle the end. Hmm. That's dead on. I mean, it's not jump. It's not jumping out at me directly. Uh, like uh, I, I'm with you. I think it's a politician. Is it Boris Yeltsin? I don't think it's Boris Yeltsin. It might be Boris Yeltsin. I would. I would more circle my wagons around a movie character. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna do it one more time. Refreshful moment. God will handle the end. The guy from uh, Sling Blade. Sling Blade. That's a child. <laughs> Nathaniel. <laughs> it's a child doing an impression. Think of a children's type movie, not Sling Blade. <laughs> I've not seen Sling Blade. Is it nefarious? It's called Sling Blade. I don't get those channels, Nathaniel. <laughs> French fried potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's not what it sounded like. Okay, uh, children's type movie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the final cook. answer. I'm in for Hunchback of Notre Dame. Dan. Uh, I'm, I'm going the Wicked Witch of the East. Okay. Uh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo? Yeah. That's not... Wait, are you choosing Nemo? That was the the polar opposite of his Sling Blade guest. He can only think of one children's movie. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) He said children's movie. I had tunnel vision. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that I'm taking it in right, and it's Snape from Harry Potter. Oh. Oh. Is that a children's movie? I mean, kind (laughs) of. Yes, both. I mean, kids watch it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Watch Sling Blade at your place. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't even watch Sling Blade. I've seen like half of it. It's too long. (laughs) I don't have the attention span for this. Okay. It's like a three-hour movie. (laughs) I don't get to. I don't get those channels. All right. Number last one. Last one. Here we go. Be faithful to me, and God will handle me. Okay. That sounds like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. 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 Or Mad Max. Who? I don't know. I was just trying to name another movie. <laughs> Max Max Hedron. Max Hedron. <laughs> beep, beep, beep for pork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from, from, from the Back to the Future movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I do, hey, I do, speaking of which, I do a Boris Yeltsin. Ooh. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ready? I drove Kiev for my family. <laughs> That's not a thing like if Boris Yeltsin <laughs> were a cab driver, I drove Kiev for my family. <laughs> He's play, a destitute cab driver. Play that, play, that, play that Mickey Mouse one more time. Okay, okay, hold on. Hold on, here we go. Here comes, here comes, uh, uh-oh, make it math. Be faithful to me, and God will handle me in. Uh-huh. 
I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely yeah that works. Enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So yeah, hey, we nailed those. Hey, do you have uh do you have an impression <laughs> if and not uh, a a resident of Mike's household? <laughs> hey. <laughs> now hold on. What if I tell me who's this? Ready? Yeah. Be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. Whoa. That's goofy. Yeah. All you have to do is make his signature sound at the end, and then the first part of the impression doesn't matter. Yeah, it could be me doing a goofy impression. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'd be, I'd be fearful. God, I'd rather care for my family. <laughs> I used to work with a Russian guy, and uh, he would always say, it is what I'm telling you. <laughs> it is what I'm telling you. I'd installed some MRI machines with these two dudes from Germany. And they only dug on extremely thrash metal German music. <laughs> and it was the best two days of my life. Oh. I mean, they were just I haven't had it. They they'd be carrying parts across the OR room, just slamming their head up and down. There's nothing but hair in Germany. German words everywhere. And it was awesome. I was sad when they left. It is what I'm telling you. <laughs> it is what I'm he, telling you. He used to live in the in the Russia during the uh uh what's that called? With the with the nuclear power plant. Chernobyl. Um, Chernobyl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he said he was on a on a kayak trip during that and it blew up and he didn't know that it blew up because, you know, the government secrets and stuff and the and the people were just like, Hey, don't get in the water and don't drink it. And he got in the water and he drank it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was only like forty miles away. Ooh. That's bad. That, yeah. That's bold. <laughs> hey, speaking of Russians and kayaks, I was out driving a couple of days ago and it's cold it's been cold. It's been cold, like in the single digits or whatever. And uh, I got behind, uh, I live kind of out in the country, and I got behind a guy who had, uh, no joke, a kayak uh, on the top of his like truck or whatever. In Iowa. Yeah. In the January. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was odd. It was odd. So anyway, I, was, I got behind him, and I was afraid it was going to come off because it was a bit breezy or whatever. And sure enough, I got about a mile down the road. We weren't quite to the main drag yet, and the kayak fell off of his truck, and I was like glad I was had hung back. So I pulled over to the side. And uh, I helped him. It made its way all the way down the uh, the crevasse, the, the ravine, the the borrow ditch. Yeah. So we go down there, and I helped him pick it up or whatever. And like it was a weird. The kayak was weird. It was like an old. It looked like it was sixty years old or something. And but it had Russian writing on the side. And I said, Hey man, this is kind of neat. Is like, is there a story behind this kayak? Uh, I said, What's with the what's with the writing? Is it Russian? Because I I felt like he was going to appreciate that I looked cultured because I could pick out Russian writing. Uh, and he kind of he kind of stared at me like dead in the eyes and said, "This is this was my dad's canoe." And he did not have any sense of a Russian accent or anything. And I said, "Oh well, that's interesting. Like uh, it was cold. I was trying to keep it moving, but I wanted to seem interested." And I said, "Well, just I mean, is, can you tell me anything about is a Russian canoe or whatever?" And he said, uh, he pointed at the words and it says, uh, "Follow me to freedom." That's what the Russian meant. And I said, "Wow, well, I mean, that's kind of interesting or whatever." And he said, then he looked at me and he said, "I want you to do the same." I said, what do you mean? You want me to do the same? He says, follow me to freedom. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand at all what this means. And he says, get in your truck, and I want you to follow me. I said, why? Why would I do this? Is weird. Now this went weird, right? I was trying to help a guy. It went weird. And he looked at me, kind of looked two sides to this side, and he leaned in to whisper, and he goes, the Pope is in town. I said, the what? He said, the Pope. The Pope is in town. I said, what does this have anything to do with his kayak? <laughs> that guy's eyes are sparkling. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what he meant was he was on his way. He, so, so the reason he had this, he was going to gift this kayak to the Pope because he heard the Pope was in town. And like his dad became a Catholic 
during some some very rough times in Russia, and like him him and his young family had escaped across this river or whatever over into a territory where like just outside of Russia. Um, and he had painted, hand painted this this Russian stuff on the side that said "Follow me to freedom." And but it meant two things: he was seeking like political asylum, but he also was trying to lead people to Jesus. And he like had, had wanted to go see the Pope and thank him for the the church's influence on his dad's life. And he was going to try to give him this kayak. And so anyway, I said, "Look, there's no way to Pope's in town." Like, there's no way. I don't know why where this came from. So he says, follow me to freedom. And I said, all right, I'm going to do it. So I followed him. And I'll be dug on it. If he doesn't end up in Bondurant, he was in Bondurant, Iowa. And he pulls up to this house that I reckon, like, I used to live at this place. I said, I know the Pope don't live there. I've been to this place. And there are throngs of people sitting outside. Uh, and I went in because Nathaniel lives there. And I said, hey, man, I don't know what happened, but there's, some, there's a guy outside with a Russian kayak. And all these people think the Pope is in town. You think you're the Pope. And the only way to, this has happened to me before, to be honest, in Bondurant. And the only way to get him out of here is you got to do, you got to do something. You got to act like the Pope. You got to get him off your lawn and give him some sort of advice or whatever, like they're looking for. And so I, I said, Nathaniel, what are you going to tell him? And, and this is what he said. I said, thank you for the canoe. It's a, it's a kayak. Oh, thank you for the kayak. <laughs> you training bra? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I amended that. I was going to find what it was. My mind was boob. And then I said, you can't, you shouldn't say that. And then I, this is far away from it. It's yeah. like, ah, fantastic alternative, Ben. I you nailed it again. I shouldn't be allowed to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I was, um, recently, not recently, semi-recently, like a month ago. Okay. I was reading. I wasn't reading because I don't read. Um, I mean, this story is going to be 10 years. <laughs> I, I tell long stories. You got to cut it down. My, my bad. Uh, I was listening to the Bible on the, on the audio. Uh, and it was in Exodus, and it came to this portion where uh, Moses come down off the mountain, and the uh, Israelites are are freestyling it, and uh, he's real super upset, and he says, to "Aaron, you know what? What? What happened here? What did the people do to you to make you make this golden calf for them? Yeah, yeah. What did yeah, they yeah. threaten you with?" And he says, "Well, I, you know, I asked them for the gold, and I threw it in the fire." And out came this calf. And the calf jumped out. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I laughed out loud. And because uh, that's a lame excuse. And my kids were looking at me and they said, what's so funny? I said, the, the Bible. The Bible's funny. Because that's a lame, lame excuse. But then I kind of ruminated. I simmered and I percolated. And I said, uh, what lame excuses do I have? Like, do is is... It really okay for me to say bad things about my boss because I don't like his decisions on things. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that's a that's a, this calf jumped out of that fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I that's put what it that in there, is. This is what came out. Yeah, and that's all I have. So get off my lawn. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> think about that. Yeah, friends, <laughs> ruminate <laughs> and percolate. <laughs> Yeah, boy, I mean, that's terse. <laughs> the Pope ain't messing around. I mean, here's the thing is the Pope has wasted a lot of uh, a lot of time and energy on this flowery language just to try to coddle pee in. And, and and Nathaniel goes, look, man, you said pee I can't say training wrong. People. Not pee Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going downhill. What if I put it in the fire and okay, pee-pee? Yeah. That's what I can do. <laughs> so 
So, so wait a minute. Is that the only example you came up with in your life where you could possibly No, be I doing came that? up with more. <laughs> uh, but I figured why lengthen the story? Like, you get the example from the one, right? I, actually, as, as you were saying that, I, I had a couple piling up where I'm like, uh, I look to the Lord and I say, I don't, I don't know what happened here. And then I thought, yeah, I do. Yeah, I know what happened. It's a lame excuse. Yeah. I came I, you I did put, something. I put, a, I put all the raw materials in for this thing to happen. And then I looked at the Lord and the thing happened. I said, I, I don't know what occurred, Lord Jesus. I've been thinking I've been thinking ill of this man for a very long time. I've not been actively praying for him and oh, out came my negativity towards him. Yes. Yes, that is a natural consequence mm. of what happened. Hey, I've not been spending as much time uh nurturing a relationship with my wife. Uh I haven't been praying for her directly and often. And uh, what do you know? Our relationship uh, needed a lift or something. Out came this calf. Out came this calf. Lord, I don't I didn't know what happened. Uh you know. Yeah. Boy, that's true. I wonder how often we are guilty of going, I don't know what happened, Lord. And God goes, what do you mean you don't know what happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, why do bad things happen to good people? Because they did a lot of weird and odd stuff up to right to the point of which they were willing to consider it bad. Yeah, and plus they're probably only telling half the story. Yeah. They probably did a couple shady things in there that they left out and like, I can't believe this happened to me. Yeah, you can. You know exactly what caused it. Here's the thing. It's like I had this conversation with somebody earlier this week. It's like... Uh, let's say that there's a there's a benchmark that we're going for, or we even call it a rule, which people hate, right? And you broke the rule on accident, not defiant, not not set out to break it, but you broke it. Yeah. The the rule still got broken. You're still in mm-hmm. the wrong. You owe an apology, and you need to make amends for it. And like the wrong the wrong thought. This is this is the standard <laughs> thought. Is like, look, I didn't intend for this to happen. Yeah, but you didn't intend for it not to happen. You didn't put anything in place to make sure it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not one of these things that, like, I don't know how many times I've talked with fellas where they're like, they they they've, they've done done something again. They're ashamed of themselves and they're like, ah, blah, I don't know what happened. I was doing so good, and then and then it just this just showed up. And they're like, what do you mean it just showed up? You got a smartphone? Yeah. Well, what were you thinking? You know you can't be trusted with that thing. Right. Did you leave yourself by yourself at home when everybody else was gone? Your whole family? Yeah. Well, could you have gone with them? Yeah. Well. I don't know what to tell you. You know exactly how this happened. Acting all innocent here like you had no idea what was going to go on. You knew exactly what was going to happen. You know, and so, like, uh, that's true. I don't know what happened, Lord. Uh, Out popped this golden calf. That is probably most people with their sinful actions. They're like, look, I didn't mean to. It's not like I woke up this morning and I'm like, I intend to offend the God of the universe. But what you didn't do is say, God, how can I honor you today? Can you you help me honor you? Help me to figure out where I'm going to screw that up. And where I can replace my shame with your honor, and we'll just skip this whole thing where I gotta, I gotta be all ter- terrible again, because I hate it. I don't want to do it no more. Mm. You didn't do that. I can guarantee that. And so, like, boy, that golden calf example is a pretty darn good one. Mm. Also, yeah. I started praying on it. I, I, I said, you know, I need, I need the Lord's help to show me where my, where my, uh, out came this calf is. Yeah. yeah. Where, where, where are my excuses, Lord? Show me, because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you're not always great at like looking at yourself and telling yourself what you need. So you gotta have the Holy Spirit do it. Yeah, you feel like the Holy Spirit has been helpful. In this yeah, area. yeah. Like that that th- the first the boss one. That was the first one that came to my mind. I was like, oh, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, I like this golden calf though. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I hate I hate what you had to say. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I do that all the time. I, I stick a little glass baking dish on the counter and come by a little later and throw a little chocolate stuff in there and crack a couple <laughs> eggs. And, <laughs> A little oil in there. Come back a little later. No, a little milk. Turn the oven on. Come back about an hour later after I let it sit for a while and 
throw it back in the oven, and I don't know, 15 minutes later, it was a cake. I don't know. Who made this cake? I don't yeah. know. Where did this cake come from? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I think I'll have it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's here. I mean, we God must, wants me to have this cake. We Looks must, delicious. We might as well worship it and say it brought us out of Egypt. <sighs> I had no idea how this happened. And then a calf came out. Uh, Boy, that's that's classic. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You, hate you know, it. I mean, I hate it. You know, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, like, every once in a while, I'm sure there are things where, like, boy, this is totally out of left field. But think, I mean, it's got to be, like, 90% of the time that it's not it's not out of left field. Like, it's repeatable. It's, uh, it's something that could have been stopped. It's something that could have been avoided. Uh, and we act like it's – actually, it, it, it reorients the um, – it reorients the nature of it. It happened to us. Hey, what happened? What happened to you, Aaron? This calf came out. <laughs> yeah, like as if it happened to him, and he contributed nothing to it. Uh, <laughs> hey, my marriage is in shambles. Well, no doubt. Tell me about it. And then you, someone talks for like half an hour, and you're like, Yeah, yeah, no, I could see that. I yeah. see exactly how he got to this marriage in shambles business. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and your wife contributed to it as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, I could see that. Like we just we just totally shake off responsibilities if the world is happening. Uh, when really, like we're 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 tossing ingredients into the brownie pan, surprised that it's g- 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 put some extra pounds on your left butt cheek. Like <laughs> I just don't know. I don't understand Isn't how that it's the opposite though. Of what most people think a, a Christian life is, right? Like we talk about a, a life of humility and submission, and it makes it seem like humility and submission equals inaction and not being in control of anything. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what it is, is 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 let's just change the word control out for responsibility. Let's let's say that you walk humbly submitting to Christ and you take responsibility for your actions. Uh, not only the, the the preparation of your actions, the situations you know that you cannot be in or shouldn't be in or probably should stay away from, the things that are going to cause you trouble. And when you see, like if there's three main ingredients to a golden calf coming to diverge in your area and you start letting them come in the door, that's, you did this. Yeah. You created this problem, right? When you see three diverging on the door and you don't go, I guess we're not going in that room, but all there is is just this one ingredient for golden calves. It's like, ah, it's too many. I don't need one. That's the, that means I'm one third of the way to causing myself some destruction. I'm going to turn around. <laughs> We're going to yeah. do something else. Right? That's taking responsibility for your actions, uh, opposed to saying that, like, I'm going to control them because that sounds like you're trying to take control away from God. And obviously, it's not what we're after. Right? But you do, you are completely responsible for the actions that you did take, didn't take, didn't prepare for. Right? You've seen the way things work. It's not like you see the, the rain outside and bust out there and without a rain jacket on and go, I can't believe I got wet. Right. It's ridiculous. Like, you know all the things that trip you up. You specifically. You know the things that trip you up. And, like, if you still wait in that pool or see how far you can get close to a line before you fall in, I, look, there's no excuse for you, friend. Yeah. You did this to yourself. You shouldn't even been anywhere near the pool. You might ne- not ever be able to swim again if we're following the metaphor. Or, or <laughs> even, like, sometimes it's even it's even proactive stuff. It's like you know that if you go, if you don't keep good habits of, of, of Scripture reading or you don't, you don't, you're not associated with the rhythms of a, of a Christian community, you're not showing up to church, um, you're not meeting with anybody, um, like, you know that when you're not praying consistently, you know those things open you up to temptations that otherwise don't show up when you're doing them. Um, then yeah, then you then you, the, the the calf came out, but like you didn't take any steps to not to to not throw gold in, um, and like it's that kind of stuff where like it's both it's it's omission it's commission it's it's both of those things and like our our level of surprise actually so like so we did um, like I said we were filling out the the prayer board like for every week like we sit down as a family and we're like what do we what do we want to pray on as a family uh, and and generally someone will say well I I need this I need my family to pray for me about this this week. And like mine for this week was um, 
using my time intentionally. Like I look back at my previous week and I and, and like my my life just kind of carried me. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up on my like I might have been on my phone or I might have been uh, sitting on the couch and I might have been like all kinds of other things. None of which are like implicitly wrong or anything. But like um, I didn't live my last week with intention. My time passed, but I didn't have anything specific of which I intended to use it for. And like it ceded control over of, of my life and what I was choosing to do at any given moment to whatever my device led me. Oh, oh! It 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 made a ding. I'm gonna go look at this email right now. I I, I didn't have control over it, um, and a few other things that, that kind of just did that. And I thought like, um, I don't like that. I don't I, I don't like. Um, not only do I have plenty to do anyway that I could be doing, but like, um, I just I did. It doesn't. It, it I didn't give. I gave my life control over to something that wasn't me doing things intentionally, and it felt wrong. It felt bad. Um, and and that, that there are peripheral things to that. I didn't spend. I was. I'm intending to read scripture every day. I think I hit like three days out of seven. Well, four. But like that isn't what my what I intended. And what I didn't intend carried away the times in which I could be doing those things. And so like I legitimately need my family to pray on that. And as they're praying on it, they're going to see when I'm using my time unintentionally, and they're probably going to mention it, as I would want them to, because I don't want. I don't want to miss out on those things. I don't want to get to the end of the week and have a golden calf pop out and me go, I had no, I don't know. I had no idea. I don't know where that came from. What That's happened? right. That's right. I might as well have everyone else looking out and say, hey, man, are you walking towards that fire with your gold? Because you shouldn't do that. <laughs> this is a mistake. <laughs> or like I'm just wander- I'm leisurely jumping off gold as I walk by. Either way, I would want someone to stop me or to recognize that like, hey, man, I don't want to be anywhere near this. I'm not going to put the gold in my hand. I don't even need to walk by the fire. And these people look like they're up to no good. So I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just living your life with some level of intention that goes, like, I'm accountable to this. I can recognize the problem what's in front of me. I can recognize steps that I should take to keep me out of problems. Uh, and, like, this surprise is unfounded. It's, it's totally unfounded. Uh, and I have a level of responsibility, which actually isn't even all that difficult, that I just need to, I just need to take up. Yeah, I like that Pope Davos. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, hey, I was, if I, if I uh, ever get this mobile app off the ground, uh, there should be an element of it that has a, a golden calf jump out. <laughs> like, uh, hey, actually, that'd be kind of a fun game, is you can pick, you can pick through, uh, I don't know, 50 elements, and you put them together and, and see whether a golden calf jumps out or not. I'm not talking to you. I've taken you in. I no. know you're excited. No. I can tell by that twitch in no, your beard. No, this is you. Look at you got yeah. a, you got a, a sketch of a calf, Hoy? and you're saying, "Hey, Mike, you have any gold available?" And you're trying to get suck me in. Hoy? No, that's the sound it makes when the calf jumps out, and you go, "Oh, <laughs> I contributed to a golden calf." <laughs> oh shoot! But then sometimes you don't. Sometimes no calf is there, and you go, "Oh, I must be all right." But it'll be real obvious. Like take food to old ladies. Don't stay in my house by myself when tempted to pornography. And you put those two together and it goes, no calf. No calf. You're, you're safe, friend. <laughs> I knew <Hoy>. it. <laughs> That's when you get it wrong. Take food to old ladies. Hang out by myself when tempted with pornography. Calf. Calf. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Hoy. You ready for some advice? Yeah, no, let's, <laughs> let's give it. This show can, can be redeemed. <laughs> Dear Life from the Path. My husband died 11 months ago and I thought I was ready to date. I dated a guy I'll call Ken for six months, but things went south because it felt weird. My question is, is it normal for a 57-year-old man to still be living with his mom? Ken's mom said bad things in front of me. She told her son that if he's going to have sex with me, he might as well live with me. 
We didn't do that. Another <laughs> time, she didn't want me to wear shorts, hold Ken's hand, or even sit with him at their house. Why? Do I need help? What? You know I, you don't need help. I think he does, and so does his mom. Yeah. I, I mean, mean... He said... She said still lives with his mom. Does that mean he never moved out? Or he is back with his mom? No, I thought it sounds like he never moved out. Well, I, okay, hold on. It, I got to set it right. So, do it again. Read the whole <laughs> thing again. My husband I'm died. not landed on it. My husband died 11 months ago, and I thought I was ready to date. Okay. I dated a guy I'll call Ken mm-hmm. for six months, but things went south because it felt weird. My question is, this is question one, is it normal for a 57-year-old man to still be living with his mama? Yes. Okay. Ken's mom said bad things in front of me. You said bad things. <laughs> <laughs> she told her son that if he's going to have sex with me, he might as well live with me. We never did have sex. <laughs> Another time, she didn't want me to wear shorts, hold Ken's hand, or even sit with him at their house. Okay. Why? Do I mean, I she could have dementia. She's in her almost 80. Yeah. And that's the end? That was it? Yeah, that's the whole thing. Or it could be, I know a mom who did that once with her child, who was an adult, and it turns out she was really the one with the issues, uh. and she was projecting that onto him. Oh, interesting. Okay, oh, so, so I guess advice, uh, you should just wash your hands of this whole thing. Yeah. This yeah. is not your problem. Do you other have people any to friends? Date? I feel like you just want to you just want to vent. I think you should call one of your friends and be like, Can you believe this ridiculousness? I'm so glad I dodged this bullet. Yeah. I think that's what you want to do here. And and if you really, really, really like this guy, get to know his mom a little better. Find out what really what is her health and what is I mean, it's only been a few months and uh there there's a lot to learn about this guy. Uh yeah, you've only known him six months. And and second of all, once again, we've talked about this. If we've talked about it once, it's a thousand times. Uh, the the person whose family is causing the trouble, it's their job to handle that family. Yeah. It's not for you to like jump the aisle and like. I mean, you could try to make it better if you want to, but like, if Ken's mom says things like, "You can't wear shorts in here," it's Ken's job to go, "Mama, you're gonna wear the shorts in here because I live here and I invited a woman over and it's okay if she wears shorts." That's Ken's battle to fight. And if he doesn't want to fight it, then there's no place for you here. It's just weird. The whole thing's weird, Ben. I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with you. I, I would just walk away on this thing. Yeah, the advice is you dodged a bullet here. I mean, it, I've, I could be wrong, and I don't want to overprescribe given how old you are, but, like, maybe this is just a project uh, not worth taking on. Yeah. I mean, you're coming off a, you're coming off a, a, a marriage uh, recently deceased. Like, you're a recent widower. And uh, this may just not be in the time to 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 go on a Jerry Springer show. Mm. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying uh, it's just it's okay to leave. I would just leave and let it go and don't wonder about it. There's no reason to sort it out. It's not your thing to sort out. Just walk, it's, you can walk away. Yeah, you I want mean, the answers to deep questions that aren't going to come. Yeah, I mean they say you should never make uh, really big decisions for at least up to a year after a spouse dies. Yeah, and it looks like about five months in you started dating this guy. So. Because now, what, it's 11 months, right? Yeah, did she wait 11 or, months or and then it's been six months since then? Or did she wait like five Unfl- months? That's unclear. Either way. Yeah. It's too, it was kind of You know, I don't know, Dan. Have you noticed, like, I feel like uh, is it, people who are married, especially for a long time, they tend to get remarried super quick. Usually the dudes do. Yeah, It's fellas. amazing. Shocking. How, how quickly. Yeah. yeah. 
And is it in your experience? I'm like, uh, I mean, this is a broad brush, but like, I've not, I've seen it not go well quite a few times. Yeah, like, jumped in quickly. Yeah, they they just needed a companion of some sort, or they couldn't make eggs or something. I don't know what it was, but I always yeah. think, dude, what, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> and the children are going, what are you doing? Yeah, right. What? Why? Why are you acting this Mom's way? Mom's not room temperature yet. I like yet. the thought of a six-year-old man <laughs> looking at looking at a dozen eggs on his counter and go, I don't know. What do, do you this? want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had this weird deal last week where my family was gone and they were out of the house for like six hours. And I, I kept going. I work upstairs in my bedroom. And I come downstairs and like the places, you know, there's no sound or anything going on. I thought this is what it would be like to live in this house without my family. And then I just had this premonition that if somehow something were to happen to them, like I legit would be in that same house 40 years later and nothing would have moved. Like yeah. I probably wouldn't even have picked up the books in the hall. I probably I would never clean out the bedroom like uh, of the kids' bedrooms or whatever. I never would have redecorated, repainted. I probably wouldn't. I probably would just leave it be and it would stay there. And it didn't give me a feeling one way or the other. I just thought I'm Someone could come in here and it would be a time capsule, not hopefully in a creepy way like I can't get over my family dying, but like it's just I just wouldn't touch it. I just don't know that I would find any motivation to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I but and I certainly I don't think I'd want some other lady coming in and going, "You know, we should change the drapes." I'm like, "Nah, leave the drapes." Yeah. I love those drapes. My yeah. best wife picked those up. <laughs> yeah, number 1. <laughs> I refer to them like presidents. Number 1, you're number 2. Yeah. Back off, Fillmore. We're yeah. keeping those. <laughs> I, I don't like uh maybe fellas and I know this this don't seem right coming to a dude who ain't crossed forty yet but like you know put the holds on it give you give yourself some time this is true for any relationship even non widowed like you got out of a relationship like I mean give it some give it some time uh, and and find some friends fellas like it's all right to have a man friend maybe like a good group of them and it, like it's all right to say look to keep me from dating a Jezebel we need to go out to breakfast three times a week. I get around to felt someone will show up yeah. with buying hash browns in the morning. Someone will do it, but like, uh, just don't you know? You don't got to crawl in to fill the gap. Secular says, a single man living with his mama is unusual, but not necessarily abnormal. Ken's mama mama's behavior, however, was not normal or acceptable. The extent to which the man's mother controls his dating life is over the top. Apparently, she perceives you as a threat, and she doesn't want to quote lose her fifty-seven-year-old son. You don't need help; she does. And so does Ken, who appears to be your hostage. The tie that binds him to, to her may be emotional or financial, or these apron strings would have been severed decades ago. So what was the advice? Uh, you don't need any help. They need help. We're done. Yeah, that, you go say that. Yeah. I don't need no help. You hey, need help. Yeah. Ken, bring your mama to the door. Yeah. I got something to say. What, wait, what, what, what did the Russians say? It is what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. A drift key for me, family. <laughs> Tight screw. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Wait, do you think she was implying that she should go say that to Kim? Oh. Yeah. Or, or she just said, like, because that's no, not so really. I think she's washing her hands of it. Okay. We don't care about that. I would say that's not really hey, good listen, advice. I got two more to get through, and you can't be pontificating I, for 10 minutes. I have a thought. Okay, no, go ahead. Number two, dear life from the path. My friend and I are planning a road trip. Okay. We live in different parts of the country, so he'll be flying to my city where we will start the trip. Mm. We plan to split the cost of car rental, gas, and hotels. However, I was assuming that he would pay his own airfare, and he, and he was assuming that we would split it like everything else. <laughs> What's normal in situations like this? Is it normal to pay one's own airfare and expect costs to even out in the future when the other person flies to you? Or is it normal to split the cost each time? The road trip isn't at risk because of this, but I want to set the right precedent for future vacations we take together. 
hey, you sound like a real wet blanket. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is tough. Uh, They're in Iowa. Both of them? Well, the other one's obviously flying in from the coast. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're doing a joint trip, I, it does seem, and you're splitting everything else, I'm not sure it's outlandish to, to split the, the airfare unless you know that you're going to do it consistently and it'll, it'll shake itself out. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's future plans that haven't been made. I mean, if you split it down the middle right now, then it will always shake itself out for the rest of your days. Yeah. Maybe you should start at a neutral location so you both have to travel. They, yeah, they, that's right. Double the costs yeah. to avoid this problem. Yeah. I mean, what's a flight from New York to Des Moines? It's probably, you got to get a layover in Omaha or Minneapolis. Seven fifty. Seven fifty one way? It cost me seven fifty to go to Minneapolis. What? That's ridiculous. I know. I mean, I didn't pay it. it was, my work was paying for that stuff. But, like, I, I booked a car most of the time because I can drive there and back in a, for a couple hundred bucks, and they want seven fifty. It only costs, like, four fifty for Megan to go to Connecticut. I know. It's outrageous. All right. Well, let's 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 uh, split the diff. We'll put it at uh, 600 Okay. Okay? So, I mean, it's 300 to do. That don't seem that bad. You seem like two swinging fellas. Like, you, you don't have families. You're just kind of getting on a road trip, tearing it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, it's there's no reason for it to be at a, a point of contention. It does seem like, um, like again, if you're going to continue to do it, uh, it probably just makes sense to like, look, we'll just split the whole thing down the middle. No, you know what makes no more sense yeah. is Dutch treat this thing. I mean, do you? I mean, you they, well, they're going to they're going to share a hotel room, maybe. Well, fine, pick a hotel room, and you could split that. But like, what if one guy's like, hey man, I want to eat at the fanciest restaurant in town. The other guy's like, I want to eat at the grease pit. You know, you, now I got to split a bill with Fancy Man just because he insists on going to some steakhouse every night? No, yeah, I would Dutch treat it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, you're going to buy enough gas. Say, look, I'll take tank. Uh, you're up. You're tank. Yeah. Like, you could do that. Yeah. But uh, I, but the, the the air thing is probably a big of expense up front. Uh, I, so here, I, here's what I would say. I don't think it's beyond the pale for you to pay for your own, for this guy to pay for his own flight. Uh, however, you know, I... I, it's not completely outlandish for you to offer to, to cover half of it. Say, I know you're coming to me this time. I'll cover half. When you fly to me next time, uh, you know, you can I cover I wonder half. if they're flying home, right? Like, as, let's say their dude's in the originality is in Iowa, and then Fancy Man's on the East Coast. He, he, he scours in from New York to Iowa, and then they road trip to where? Where's the end point? Are they both flying back home after that? Oh, yeah. Because the guy that's flying out of Des Moines is going to pay higher prices because there's one airport there, and you almost certainly have to lay over somewhere else to get there. So unless, unless you're on Allegiant, you can go to 100 bucks to Florida. Yeah, if you're road tripping to Florida, but the guy's going to fly from New York to Iowa and then road trip to Florida. You made you made that New York part up. No, he's he's on the coast definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'll tell you. You can tell by the accent. <laughs> we live in different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. I'm so coming he'll be from flying to my city. Yeah, so if this guy lives in Iowa, <laughs> the different part of the country is New York, obviously. Is Tampa, St. Petersburg. No. Then they're going to road trip back to where the man lives? That don't make no sense. Anyway, I don't think this is a big deal either way. I, you know, you want to make this thing smooth like butter, offer to pay for half. Uh, you want a potential stuff going on over and above it. Like, maybe he won't make it a big deal, but I, I don't know. It seems reasonable for you to split it to me. I know. You sound like a worrywart in a wet blanket. You're going to ruin this trip already. <laughs> hey, we- I, I think the big thing is he sh- they should be asking each other, not us. Yeah. Because, like, they're the ones doing this ar- arrangement. I would take all this worry and use it to buy a full box of almond, full-size Almond Joys. Yeah. And instead of bringing this kind of anxiety-ridden business to his desk, you go, look, man, I bought a full box of Almond yeah. Joys. For the, <laughs> we're going to tear this up. Yeah. I got some Johnny Walker and some Almond Joys. Yeah, some Twin L- Bings. Let's go out on some a... Dots Pretzels. We're not even going to stop. We're road tripping. Yeah. yeah. I'll cover it. Yeah. I'll or shake it out window. with the snacks. You're flying. I'll cover it. Ga- like, I don't know. There's a way to do this. There's millions yeah. of ways to do yeah. this. 
Yeah, you don't. I wouldn't bring this type of attitude on this road trip. I hear. Actually, here's so what I would say: if you're not, if you're, if you're not comfortable asking this person this question, I don't think you should get in a car with him for an extended amount of time. Uh, no. Right. It's going to come up. Yeah. Yeah. Not in that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to say, "Hey, how should we do this? If we can do this in in the future, I mean, let's just figure out." Yeah. Here's the thing, though. One of them going to get married next year out of the blue. And yeah. they have a baby, and they're like, oh, man, I can't do our annual road trip no more. And they're going to write. going to get stiffed. Yep. They're going to write in and say, Greg and I usually, uh, you know, we, we do these onesie twosies, but then Greg married a wife, and his his Jezebel year. soaked him up. Yeah. Yep. Now he can't go on a road trip, and yeah. I got Dots, Pretzels, and Almond Joys, and nobody to hang with, yeah. and I'm out 300 bucks. And now I'm going to marry a lady super quick because I can't be alone. Yeah. That's right. Don't do it. Here we go. <laughs> Segular says, this is something you need to discuss further with your friend. Do you consider his getting there a part of your shared vacation, or do you feel your responsibility begins when he arrives? There are no hard and fast rules about this, and frankly, I think it depends upon your financial situations. Okay, lame. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point, though, one of the points is, is that I don't think this is a point of etiquette or technicality. Mm. Do, do whatever your relationship can bear. Mm. Here we go, last one. Yep. Dear life on the path. My husband passed away unexpectedly. It was and is a tremendous loss to my two daughters and to me. While writing my thank you cards to individuals who attended his viewing and church service, I noticed someone had written Mick Jagger as attending his viewing and Rod Stewart as attending his church service. I was floored and deeply hurt when I realized the handwriting belonged to one of our pallbearers, my husband's sister's husband. Our teenage daughters also saw it and told me they thought it was disrespectful. I don't know if I should tell my sister-in-law or let it go. I want to ask him why he would do such a thing. Or am I overreacting? You're overreacting. You know I, mean? You, I mean, obviously... Mick I think, Jagger wasn't there. <laughs> I think the man's lacking a little bit of class. Uh, here's yeah. the thing, a dad... It depends on who it was. If one of you guys did that at my funeral, I would I, I would expect no one to have a problem about it. Uh, I would say that maybe, but what if I died tomorrow? I, I'm leaving two like teenage daughters. It's not like I passed away when I was 75. You know, I died unexpectedly. It's a little bit more of a impact than it would be. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Now I'm definitely writing Mick Jagger in your book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got to put it in my Evernote so I don't I forget it. I think as far as the sister-in-law's husband goes, you might be a little far removed for your comedy hour. Yeah. I mean, it depends how close you are. They could be close. I mean, they were pallbearers. Now, actually, <laughs> I guess here is the question. Uh, <laughs> be kind of close. That, yeah, that's bit. true. Uh, but like, the the question is is as a fella, you need to consider your humor might have been appreciated by the deceased, but that is not who is going to see the book. That's true of every uh, one of my friends' wives. Yeah, my friends think I'm funny. Their wives do not. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is generally that's, true. That's true. That's true. Uh, and and so that is it was not wise to have done so. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother. For, there's no value in mentioning it for what? No. Don't bring it up. Just let it go. It was, I mean, I, maybe it's not your family, but my fa- I'm surrounded by people who try to pull off an unsuccessful joke. If you stop the trains every time that happened, the trains would never run. I, here's what I'm saying, is if beforehand any man would have come up to me and said, I'm going to write Mick Jagger in the church attendance blog at this funeral. <laughs> I said, look, man, I don't think that's a great idea. I don't idea. think now's I the think time. you should just let it go. You should let it go. You should miss this opportunity for what you believe to be a golden he, era He comedy. already did it, though. So after he did it, if the, if the, the, the widow says, hey, man, this guy was rude, I don't like it, I'm like, I, well, yeah, I'd let it go. I, I think you should probably let it go. It's already happened. I'd have a hard time looking at him later and be like, you took this thing. Like, 
I, I mean, this woman's devastatedly crying. She's the one writing thank, thank, thank How you How does she know his handwriting? She's Agatha Christie, this thing. Would you know your cousin's husband's handwriting? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Come on. I mean, but I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. No, you don't think that she actually knows that. She probably gossip wheeled and figured out. I don't it think out. it matters. I would just, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you have any level of support for this. It just seems. Uh, I, I, it is, well, I, I don't have, I'm not supporting it necessarily as in Well, like, your words are betraying you. <laughs> you feel like you were in support of it. I already told you I was going to do it. <laughs> you said you you said you would advise me against it. Yeah, I I'm, would. I'm going to ask your wife. Can I write Mick Jagger in Mike's in Mike's death log? She might feel differently the day of my death. <laughs> I know that's why it's best to get it pre-approved. <laughs> <laughs> Have her sign it. Yeah, we had an agreement. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to comedy this thing. <laughs> I would just write the thank you note. Uh, thanks uh, for thanks for carrying him out, Mick. I mean, you're 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 not gonna prove anything. You're not gonna solve anything. Just let it go. Yeah. I mean, just think. Gosh, that was weird. Everybody handles death differently, and weird things happen when you grieve. So we're we're assuming this guy's grieving too, and he just thought that was like his funny way of grieving. That their little inside joke they had or something. I mean, uh, he didn't mean to hurt you. I mean, I can tell you that much. I'm sure of that. That's probably true. He didn't. It, it, I mean, you just have to be. Very obtuse yeah. to not consider the fact. Is that aimed at me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that Rod Stewart <laughs> was in attendance uh, to come a day. <laughs> I mean, you got to be a real Neanderthal. <laughs> There's a thousand other ways to bring a smile to somebody's face on the worst day of their life, and you went with impersonating a celebrity. I mean, that is a bit of a rubber chicken gag. Like, that's, a, that's, that's not even like a humorous story from their yeah. past or anything. There's the flowers I got you for the funeral. Oh, there's a blow-up snake in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of dude we're talking about here. All right, second cheese pin. <laughs> Secular says, yeah, I don't know how this golden calf got here. Or Rod Stewart's name. Oh, <laughs> Segular says, no, you are not overreacting. What your brother-in-law did was, to put it mildly, insensitive. A funeral memorial book is the wrong place to attempt a bad joke. <laughs> By all means, tell your sister-in-law about it. And when you do, be sure to mention how it affected you and your daughters. You all deserve an apology for this inappropriate behavior. Ah, yeah. I think that's a little funny. No. Call I the think, police. I think it already That's happened. right. <laughs> Have them sort this out. Yeah, get out the spiked bat. Maybe a government regulation to say you can only use your legal name in the, in the funeral log. <laughs> I've never heard of a funeral log. I'm gonna be honest. Maybe you I haven't been too too many. There's always a guest book type thing. You yeah. know, so. my wife signs in for all of us. Maybe that's what's happened. Yeah. yeah, is that I just haven't had the opportunity to sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm allowed to drive the vehicle there, but once it comes into interacting with people, she goes to the front right on purpose to try to play defense on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, my handwriting is not legible anyway. Yeah. And sometimes I forget whether how to spell Stuart, like whether it's an E or an A at the end. Yeah, Rod's, Rod's, no. I, I never I never signed those because I'm like, well, they know I was there. I was like usually <laughs> talking. So Boy, Dan's avoiding the government. Yeah. Dan uses it for an affirmation of how his presence is felt. Everybody knows I was here. <laughs> Billy Graham. I'm sorry your husband passed away, but old Dan Hudson was here. That ought to be a shining <laughs> light. I won't even sign the book. <laughs> oh. 
I gotta be forgetting somebody. Oh yeah, Dan was there. He was the guy glowing. <laughs> <laughs> he moves like a mafia member. Was he there? No evidence to that effect. <laughs> I saw him with two cannolis, but that was okay. it. He's nobody in the log. So now I know I can't go to funerals with Dan or Ben. Nathaniel, <laughs> I guess it's just me and you, I guess. <laughs> oh, you make sure his wife comes so there's evidence that he showed up. <laughs> I forget one of the kids. Like I'll say, Mike and Jerry and Grace. And then they're like, do you have another daughter? I'm like, I know. <laughs> I was getting to it. <laughs> I completely forgot. Ran out of room. Yeah. Ben. <laughs> what? Sorry, the thing restarted on me. I can't help how the life how life lives itself. Hold on. Out came this golden calf. <laughs> and out came this golden calf. <laughs> You knew this when you had that old dinosaur computer over there running the tube. It's not my fault. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. We've been put running this crank start computer forever. All right, hey, you've been listening to Live from the Path. Hey, uh, listen here. Every every once in a while, you know we're going to run a stinker, and uh, that was today. So you're very welcome uh, for the comedic break. Uh, if you got any complaints about the show, I totally understand. Call the Bob Eisenhower complaint line. That's 515-517-0085. That's the Bob Eisenhower complaint line, 515-517-0085. Uh, and uh, it is still open for impressions. You want to say, be faithful in the means, God will handle the ends, in your favorite uh, uh, character. And, uh, in fact, if you do a Rod Stewart, I think that would be great. Hey, uh, you could do one like Crawfish. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, remember that guy? What was his name? Catfish. 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 Yeah. Catfish. That guy was funny. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Be faithful. Yeah. Oh. He didn't p- participate on the complete line. He don't listen to the show. That's what I'm saying. His vanity knows no bounds. <laughs> I, I think he only listened to the show when he was on it. Oh. And that's only when I cut a clip and he could watch himself. <laughs> hey, look at me. Other than that, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. I don't think he takes it in. Hey, Booba, prove me wrong. Leave me a, leave me an impression. Here's the deal. Uh, uh, impression or it didn't happen, all right? You, you hear the show. You'd call the complete line and leave an impression. And then I will know you watch the show. If not, you've outed yourself to the world. He needs yeah. to do a leprechaun. Yeah, does he, he do a good one? Yeah. He does a lot of impressions. Yeah. Okay. Mostly his best impression of a, is a, of a guy that doesn't listen to the show. And that's him. He nails it all the time. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, we will see you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>